peaches and regalia from Frank Zappa. Uh Peaches and regalia. How do you? Oh, there it is. R e g a l i a. He's covering somebody. That's your official intro music from now on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm stuck with that, huh? <laughs> yeah, now nah, we can switch it up, I guess. Last oh, time, wow. uh, it was... What was it? Like? No, I would play the guitar for a long time on most of the... Yeah, you were playing guitar and had your little song and all that stuff going. Lately, you've been doing like... I don't know. I like that. Was that. Fir- yeah, you like it? You're I gonna, like it. Now you're going to have to deal with uh, copyright. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'll never get me alive. Dude, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to see you again. It's interesting to be back. It's really good to see you again, my dear friend, Dave Wilson, I've, I've everybody. Already, I've already gotten lost three times. I wouldn't say lost. I just like missed. They're doing construction on the west side and I missed an exit. And the other exits were so backed up, it kept sending me down the interstate, like past Trans Mountain, south of Trans Mountain to get up to the state park to U-turn and come back up. I missed that. And then, of course, we can get into the park. So that was kind of a pain. But then today, <laughs> today I was just like all over there by the Humane Society and the the uh, military uh, cemetery over there. Oh, that's the Bermuda Triangle. I was like, oh my God, I don't, where am I going? <laughs> <laughs> I have done circles like legit we more than circles. once. Yeah, we did circles. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Kirsten. Welcome. Thank you. Curious, I'm, I don't it's know great your last to be name. here. Peterson. Yeah, KP. Yep. KP. Do you go by KP? <laughs> um, a lot of people call me that, but that's not how I introduce myself. <laughs> so, but Kirsten, so many people can't get that, so sometimes it's easier. I catch myself from time to time. Apologies for all the that's okay. other names. <laughs> no. Um, y'all came in from, where were you coming from, Moab? No. Uh, we Started in Moab, went to um, Crested Butte, and we spent four days in Crested Butte, uh, only one day playing. The other three were spent um, remodeling, a, or not remodeling, but refurnishing a condo that Fun. Kirsten just pretty much funded the whole thing. <laughs> we went in together. Nice. So... So, so we, what you're saying is party house in Crested Butte. Definitely August, uh, July 7th through August 7th. We will definitely be there. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> I have yet to visit Moab. Man, uh, what was it? October I was supposed to go? Yeah, we were supposed to come out. A bunch of people were supposed to come out. Gutted, and not man. many people did. I got sick right before. It ended up being like a 24-hour thing, but I thought it was, it seemed like a, the flu. I was like, oh, yeah, now I'm going to pull the plug. Super last minute. And eh, it works out. Another day. Oh, yeah. yeah It'll day. always be there. So last time we spoke, I listened to our the inaugural ping pong pizza party. Still can't believe that was the first one. <laughs> Dude, it was rad. It was rad. I had no idea what the fuck we were doing. Uh, uh, swear jar. Where's my... Sorry, Mom. Where's the swear jar? Sorry, Mom. 
Okay, I caught myself though. That's a good we're step in the right direction. Sorry, my bad. I big mom. Dave told us not to cuss, so I'm gonna do my best, mom. <laughs> um, dude, it was cool. It'd been forever since I listened to it, and I was just like kind of winding down one night, and I knew y'all were coming through again. Thanks for the heads up. It's always good to see you guys. And uh, like, what? I'm just gonna like listen to a little bit. I listened to the whole freaking five hours or whatever how long everyone was, but it was, it was good. It was, it was like. I appreciate it in a different way and, and more actually. Um, a lot has changed. Life was so much different. And at the time, you're good. At the time, you were in transition from El Paso to moving to Moab. Um, transition from being a high school teacher, physics teacher, to full-on Nuke Sunrise Stitchworks. Correct me if I'm wrong. And how's it been, dude? How how are these last what like couple of years at least? How long's it been? It's been how's it been? It's been two and a half years. Um, and it's been amazing. You know, mainly because I'm with a really amazing person. Oh. This has been super fun. Um, and I I kind of moved there with with like no pressure on me, I guess, because I had multiple opportunities to do things there. And I did guide a bit. I enjoyed that. And I didn't guide as much as I didn't actually didn't guide at all this last year, but the first year I did quite a bit of guiding, multi-day and single-day, day tour guiding. Um, and I did, I did really well. Like Nuke did really well. The bag business sold. I was selling a ton of bags. Pretty busy. I had a good employee, and then um, she left. And Christmas wasn't what I thought it would be. And then it just kind of died. Um, well, was it last year died? So last Christmas a year ago, it was like really dead. And so I decided to, um, expand a little and start doing some rentals. Cause there's only one place in town that was renting bike packing stuff. And he's kind of wasn't advertising it in any way. And I haven't really advertised it either, but people have found me on Google and on bikepacking.com. Um, and on Instagram, but, um, so yeah, I just started moabbikepacking.com to rent gear and I was doing kind of a, uh, one of those like virtual kitchen businesses where I was renting the bikes through another guy and I'll still be renting some bikes from him doing the Marin Pine Mountains. Um, you know, okay. Bikepacking bikes, that's what they're made for, but, uh, kit rented them fully kitted out trying to, you know, help people who are, you know, obviously don't really know what they're doing. They're renting bikepacking gear and doing some pretty big trips. So trying to advise the best I can with that, um, doing some water drops for some groups. Um, and yeah, so now I'm, I'm renting, well, I'm, I'm putting together a couple of my own bikes to have in the fleet that'll be set up all the time. Cause as is now I get a bike, I have to, fully kitted out. It takes about an hour, if not more. Um, and then when the customer comes, get it dialed for them. And then when they come back, I got to get everything off of it, wash the bike and return it and pay them for the rental. So I'm going to try to build my own fleet, just a couple sizes, see how those do, um, for next year. Cause it, this fall, I mean, I had enough rentals this fall. I was like, okay, this is like making it. So I am back to where I was when nuke was doing really well. So for those, <clears throat> for those who are listening, who may not have heard episode one, um, 
where we talk about how you know or or just don't know what you do right like maybe elaborate a little well, bit well we didn't really what, talk yeah i guess i should do pull a shameless plug here um but for sure. yeah for uh, i think it's been 13 no not, not 13 it's been about 11 years now officially since i've started making bike bags under the brand new nuclear sunrise stitch works kind of sort of rebranded last year with nuke sunrise bike bags and a new logo that's a little easier to kind of understand and see the what's in the logo and what the logo kind of refers to um in regards to the name of the company um and this past spring i had a really great employee that was good with design and so we worked on some different designs and i have two new products um that uh kind of pushing out right now. Um, one is kind of just because a competitor stopped making something, I got a bunch of requests to make them. Hmm. And that's uh, Revelate's Nano Pannier. They changed it a lot. Uh, it went from a zipper bag um, to a roll top bag. And then I started getting a bunch of requests for nano copies, the old nano copy. So I pretty much copied, sorry, but I copied the Nano Pannier pattern with and, but it has my design features on it. Uh, my design features mainly are hidden zippers, storm flap zippers, because um, I know for a fact that very few of my zippered frame bags have failed. Because I've, I've only seen four. <laughs> I've only seen four come back. And I, I know that I, if I do the math, it, uh, you know, at least 100 frame bags a year. I mean, during my peak, I know I was probably popping off I probably popped off about 200 frame bags a year for a couple of years there. Um, so I know I've got well over a thousand bags out there and hopefully they're all getting used. And I mean, I see them on bikes sometimes. I don't even recognize them. It's like, wow, that thing's so used. It doesn't even look like something I would make. I put mine through the test, man. And they're holding strong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I stand by my design features, even though some people think it's a waste of energy or, you know, not worth it or, you know, you make your product too good, you should raise the price. And it's like, okay, I raise the price, I don't sell bags. Because people are still looking at price point, even custom stuff. And I look at my competitors' prices, and I try to beat them by just a little, not a lot. Um, and and take into account what they're doing with some of their stuff. Um, so, you've got the Nano Pannier that we're, both Kirsten and I are running on the new um, Old Man Mountain Elkhorn rack, which I'm a huge fan of Old Man Mountain, always have been. And then my buddy Fuzzy John from way back in my single speed days. Um, he uh, used to we used to work for Niner. If you look at some old magazines, you see the bearded dude on the Niner ads. That was Fuzzy. Fuzzy is with uh, Old Man Mountain now. And they've changed up their stuff a lot. And they came out with the Elkhorn rack. And I love it. You can use it as a bottle holder. It's got a three-pack mount on the sides. Or you can use panniers and I'm selling those, um, through my, through my bike packing. So like people rent them, they're like, Hey, I'd like to get one of these. Sick. And so I'll, I'll sell it to them. Um, so those panniers are working great and I, I love them. I'm so glad to not be using a seat bag anymore. So I'm not using a seat bag anymore. They just, they don't work with droppers and you can only carry stuff in them. If you're a big tall guy like me that has a huge seat post, but, you know, I, I want to run at least like a 180 dropper. And 
I'm sure there's a bunch of people out there that are like, whoa, Wilson's running a dropper. <laughs> Cause I think I was like one of the last guys to switch to a dropper post. Even though it was one of the first, I was using one in 2006 when I was riding for Titus. Um, I used a Crank Brothers dropper and I hated it. And when the new ones came out, they were not reliable and my friends were always rebuilding them. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't get a dropper. I'm not gonna get a dropper. I'm not gonna get a dropper. I don't need a dropper. You're a thudbuster guy. I was a thudbuster guy for a long time, and those things. Well, not thudbuster. It was Moxie. So <laughs> let's let's say Moxie, not Fucking thudbuster. Geek. Oh, sorry, mom. <laughs> Strike two. <laughs> but yeah, Moxie C Post, which was sued by Thudbuster because it came around at the same time. Well, they were sued by Cane Creek when they bought Thudbuster for a little history for some people out there because Thudbusters are still great posts and they're being used a lot with the gravel scene. Um, that yeah, I was using a Moxie when. The same time the Thudbuster name came out, and at the same time, Gravity Dropper was a thing, and that was it for Gravity, alter, alternative yeah. C post. Gravity was made in Colorado, right? I don't know. I met the guy at a race in Sandpoint, Idaho. He was running around with a Gravity Dropper in his hand. What um, spring loaded? Yep, spring loaded. And there's like just like two or three positions in it, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it was like kind of like um, uh, one of those old like cheesy tent well like your 10 by 10 tent it has like the little button that would like slide yeah. it down but it, i had a little actuator for that button yeah so it was it was actually really cool and like he was all naming name dropping all these brett tippy and all these guys are using them now i'm like oh okay right on i don't know if it was really brett tippy but he was dropping some names of the of that uh old um that vancouver scene up there all those free riders and i was like oh this guy let's see what <laughs> and i'd seen he'd been advertising in the magazines and i i know some or i've seen some people that are still using them they're they're great posts they really were um and i kind of wish i had like taken him up on one of those back then because that would have been that would have been near the end of my norba national stuff and uh if i'd started riding a dropper that had a remote control back then and that was one of the things i hated about that crank brothers had the little a the ball lever. flicker. The balls. Yeah, you had to like go down there and flick your balls to make it work. <laughs> it was right between your legs, and you had to reach down there and grab it, and uh, and sit on it with and and ride with one hand. And of course, nowadays we're going into stuff so hot, and you do not want to take your hand off the bar. And having a precision dropper post is amazing. And even bike packing, it's like. The other day, we're we're on Sierra Vista Trail yesterday, and I hear Kirsten Bay, I love my dropper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because we our previous bike packing trip we did we did on a she did on more of a gravel style bike um, like a monster crosser, and it didn't have a dropper. And I use my divide bike that that still doesn't have a dropper. And yeah, both of us were like, yeah, this kind of sucks. So, dude, so you're making stuff like for the old man rack. And it'll work with any rack and dropper stuff, which before it was, uh, like when you started, it was like rigid post, big seat bag stuff, right? right. The, which the, I think the I still traditional have. seat bag. Yeah. A lot of people do. And I've still got a couple of them. I just give them away for prizes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like not a thing anymore? Well, I guess with it, the you dropper, know, it, it can't it's be, a, huh? it, a lot of people that are using droppers are using smaller seat bags and they think they're working for them. It's like, I look at these little bags. I'm like, well, what's the point? It's so small. What do you got in there? Your jacket, you know, or maybe, maybe they have a little half pound quilt or something like that. But, um, and, and any weight on your seat is going to affect the inertia. Weight mass is inertia. And so it's like, it doesn't go up as fast. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I don't like anything on my seat post. So I run a rack and, uh, you can run the old man mountain stuff now has these pucks that you can zip tie to your stays. If you don't have brazons and you can like put them on, uh, Santa Cruz freaking mega tower if you want and, and use it as your bike packing bike. Sick. Yeah. So the other product I have is a bar harness system that, and that was something I've been working on for a while and I'm sure I'll still be making improvements on it, but I'm kind of like super stoked with the way it is right now. And, uh, so I've got it here so we can kind of walk through it here. Oh, yeah, we got to have props, even though we don't have video, <laughs> ah. you got the props here. Yeah. So hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to get the, uh, my phone video out. So, and <laughs> so I'll get, you can this. do a short. So what this is, is, is a traditional harness system with the panel that all the straps go through. And I'm running like a support rod. It's, it's a recycled tent pole. So I've got easy access to tent poles around Moab. Um, foam spacers that attach the, the rod to the handlebar. And then the straps that go around your cargo also go around the rod. And the bonus thing or the, the secret sauce to this is that strap that goes around your cargo also goes through two struts and they're PEX pipe and one inch PEX pipe. And so I just cut those and chamfer one end. You run the, the webbing through that tube around the crown of your fork and back into the tube, back into the harness uh, system and then around and buckle it in. And so it supports the weight, these struts support the weight and keep it from going up. So it, when you're bouncing down trail, this thing stays way solid. The only thing it does move, oh, sorry, is the pouch moves a little bit. And if you got stuff in that pouch, it shakes up and down inside the pouch. Um, yeah, that's something you have to deal with. But the pouch is removable and you can just take unsnap the pouch when you get to camp have yourself a little pouch with all your little ditty stuff in it and then uh you can undo your roll that's on the uh the harness system Sick. so i'm still i'm still what they call some people call that the sausage system sausage roll <laughs> and i'm a fan of it because it's real secure um i don't like to have stuff bouncing around i like the big paradise style bags like ron's bags and swift no longer made in the USA. Uh, yeah, I dropped it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I don't care. And uh, yeah, just like I, when I'm carrying stuff on the bars, I want it to be tight. I want it to be secure. Of course, you want to carry as little as possible on the handlebars. But if you did need to load it up, I just want to make sure it's something that's bomber and not flopping around. Another issue, and what really inspired it is Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz's cables come right out of the head tube. And you can't smash a, a bar roll on your head tube on a Santa Cruz. And Specialized is doing the same thing now. So you've got two of the major brands out there, and both of them have great bike packing bikes um, for even the full suspension stuff. Tallboy, 5010, great bike packing bike. Uh, and the, um, uh, the, the Blur from Santa Cruz. And then Specialized, all, you know, all their shorter travel stuff. So... Being able to um, keep those cables from getting crushed was super important to me. And it's ironic, the gal who won the Triple Crown this year in bikepacking, uh, she was using uh, either Swift or Ron-style, Ron's Caradise-style bag. And uh, on Tour Divide, smashed her 
brake hoses to where she didn't have any brakes. Oh shit! Yeah, so oh, it's like, strike it's, three. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it uh, really it's, trying. It was, you know, it's like it's stuff like that doesn't have to happen, and I wanted to make something that would allow people to carry something that you know performance oriented type bike packing. Yeah. That's what I was always appreciated about your stuff is that you've number one, you ride. Like you've been not often enough. Well well you 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 like companies like Wolftooth too, you know, like I I imagine that these guys they come out with something that's extremely thoughtful. Like they solve an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, bikes are are uh, evolving and and the industry is ever changing and chasing their tail and this and that and trying all this weird stuff but but the so you've got to stay on your toes right and like yeah and, and it's tough stuff. yeah it's tough to try to you know what what's I know my products are are bomber and I know that weight wise they're very competitive and price wise I'm very competitive um, where I get beat is like the intricacies of some of the new brands out there, they're taking, they're are going overseas. I mean, there are some factories there. You just check the box of what you want and where you want it on your bag and they, they make it. And some of them are not too bad. I mean, there's some pretty decent stuff out there. Very few are doing zippers the way I'd ever do them. Um, but, um, stuff that looks great stuff that works. And then the welded products that are coming overseas from overseas, I mean, all of Revelate's welded stuff's made in China um, or somewhere in Asia. I saw the tag. Um, there's uh, Tailwind's making these really amazing attachable uh, fork bags that are have a three-pack mount that's removable, like quick release. And all their, the soft product part of the bag is welded and made in Asia. And those are really sharp, but I know that welded products, they tend to come apart especially in exposure, heat, cold, heat, cold. Um, whereas a fabric doesn't come apart as much and laminates kind of do here and there, but they're pretty reliable. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun business to kind of tag along in and watch what's going on and see, I've seen a lot of growth. that's kind of interesting and it's like, wow, these guys went big and I don't know. I mean, if I were, if I had wanted to do it when COVID hit, I would have, teaching by and gone all in on kind of a sweatshop type place to get rolling with more product and hire somebody like I had last spring who could do design that kind of thing and then grow from there but um, yeah it is what it is and I know I have a good product and I like where I am I would like to get increase my sales a little get on some shop walls in different towns <laughs> so especially towns that have bike packing um, hmm. just to you know when people come to town I, I know that my my products are selling in chili pepper and Moab, um, and people are not who aren't bike packers are buying them because they're buying the accessory bags. Which I think everybody everybody needs an accessory bag. They need. I think everyone should be riding with a tank bag. Totally. I don't see why you wouldn't want to. I mean, keep all your stuff up in there and snacks and all that. You don't have to wear a jersey or pockets, you know, or have a fanny pack around your waist. So I have a an old Frankenstein single speed mountain bike that i've been racing lately and, and really enjoying and uh the whole single speed thing you know like i don't want to get all kitted out all the time <laughs> dude like i want to go in my shorts and a t-shirt right. and like just 
really embrace the whole simplicity of it you know what i mean and so having everything on the bike all the time you know is important well specifically like maintenance stuff right like i could throw a couple cages i have a couple cages on there i could get 20 miles or whatever on a couple bottles but like all right i don't i don't want to pay a seat bag on there i don't want to so you're i have this i have like a silo style right. bag um the feedback feedback it's i love it yeah it's super i'm like man why haven't i yeah every yeah, they, one of my bikes well. should have one of these yeah. yeah and it's cool to like run around moab now and see people's bikes and the bike racks with my stuff on it's like oh, right on. yeah that's <laughs> yeah. because i know other people come in town and and who still don't know my brand um come into town and they ask and shops tell them hey yeah he's in town just give him a call so um it's it been, used to be like that here and i miss it <laughs> <laughs> miss you buddy well it's kind of funny i mean i i, I love it because i've in Moab, I've just met some of the coolest people. I think one of the coolest ones I met so far that just dropped by was sent to me by a YouTuber, my, my friend uh, Dirty Teeth MTB uh, on YouTube, uh, Alan Jacoby. He's a, a bike packer, lives up in Idaho, and he is Kevin Costner's number one cameraman. Whoa. And so we did the last section of the Cocopelli Trail this past summer, uh, day before Father's Day, because he, he had done the Cocopelli Trail, but he had to bail at where we started so we did like 50 something miles back to town and then the next day this other guy shows up this total character who is an arborist for the movie that they're filming there in moab that kevin costner kevin costner's doing a four-part series and he's shot the two first two parts and they're supposed to release them i guess next summer yeah i think uh, in august yeah horizons yeah horizons a four-part movie that Costner wrote before he did Dances with Wolves. So Ooh. it was it was the only project going last summer because of uh, the strike, the writer's strike, since Costner wrote it, and no reason to strike. So he had a lot, a lot of people working, and Moab was packed, and the year before it was more packed because they rented half the retail and commercial space in town to have like shops to put in, to build little wiki-ups and trailers or we call them wagons and stuff like that for this movie so it's, yeah it's been it was pretty cool to see some of that stuff around town at the same time prices start going through the roof and well, you're just like wait why does the hamper cost nine dollars <laughs> so so i've never been to moab i know i know it's like being a movie buff and never seeing the godfather which also never seen the godfather what i know right it's long i know it's really long um how's moab How's Moab treating you? I know, Kirsten, you're, are you from, born and raised in Moab? No. No, but I've been there almost 34 years. So it's been a while. What took you there? Mountain biking. And what kept you there? Mountain biking. <laughs> I was the classic, you know, deal where I'd, I'd been there on vacation, came back to visit a friend who had moved there, you know, recently to guide um, for a mountain bike company. And while I was there, I got offered some work because I had some guiding um, background. And it was one of these, we've got a month's worth of work for you. That's it. No more after that or don't expect anything. And so I was like, yeah, that actually sounds pretty good. I'm in transition. So I took that and have literally been there ever since. So what was that job? Like guiding or bike shop job or something? It was guiding. Um for the company that I ended up buying into um, with my friend. And uh, so we 
took over the management, bought in, and then eventually, after a few years, bought out our other partners. And so we've it was just the two of us since '94. Uh, Is that Rim Tours? Yep. Sick. And, Long, and then, longest running mountain bike tour company in the world. And so uh, we didn't start it though since 1985. So you yeah. got the godmother of two, two of years, shuttles over here. Two, three years out, two years after I started mountain biking is when they started. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, um, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's been you know it's been a great run, and we we actually just passed the reins on to the next generation um, cool. very recently. So I'm now out of the mountain bike tour business. How's that feel? Um, it's it's an adjustment. It's it's definitely pretty wild. I'm just you know really excited to give myself some time to kind of figure out what's next, and you know really just getting out of town and and heading south. And now we're gonna head more into the wilderness for five days. Is exactly what I need. Awesome. <laughs> so that's awesome. So going into the wilderness for five days. That's a perfect segue of like where you're so where you came from how you've been high fives all around coming yeah, yeah. through town <laughs> we're doing this you're getting shameless rid of your plug shameless plugs well you know people gotta know they're like who the hell is this big dave guy i don't know um so y'all headed to big bend big bend ranch big bend ranch state park for those who don't know large largest state park in the nation uh, the largest urban state park is the Franklins, which are about a stone's throw away from us. Mm-hmm. Um, or slingshot throw, maybe. But, um, yeah, so a huge private ranch at one point in time. Got, I guess, granted to the state. And we're gonna. I've been down there a few times. Um, so, but I've never been all the way through it by bike. So I haven't ridden from the center of it to lajitas yet so that's on tap so we're gonna do three nights in the park and then one night on the river on our way back so we're looking at five days Sick. so yeah and i've been to the national park a bunch of years back and um i did a little mountain biking in there but some hiking and just more camping and uh i'm really excited to see this park because i've never been in to the state park it's so pretty it's majestic. It's so. Uh, it's different. It's I wouldn't call it majestic. I, dude, I, I if would you call up, Moab majestic. Oh, I guess because <laughs> I haven't been. I need to raise the bar then and go to Moab. But I would call the the um, the uh, the Oregon Mountains majestic. Okay. So when you're seeing those in the afternoon light, that's majestic. And the Frank, you know, here Franklin Peak and all that stuff, they're amazing and stuff. But these, I mean, these other places are just like. Whew. The great thing about. The Franklins, it's 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 in El Paso, which desperately needs something like that, and hardly anyone in El Paso ever goes, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> I think it's changing now, though, man. Like in these past couple of years since you've been gone, it's it's. I mean, I, maybe just because I deal with it day in and day out, you know, with the shop and just being in, just so involved in and it consumes such a giant part of my life, you know, cycling right. and always has been. And and I'm, and I'm stoked for it. I'm not talking shit. Ah, strike four. Um, but I, I see a lot more people writing. see a lot more people talking about it. It's just way more popular. Yeah. But that's, but that's everywhere. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. In El Paso, in these past few years, 
we well, all know this is no our, secret since COVID, you know, but, yeah. but, but you gotta remember our homies down South, they loved mountain biking long before the El Paso crew really. The rest of the it. world, man. <laughs> it's yeah, like, the rest I just of the world. remember coming here and like, okay, I met every mountain biker in town in probably like three weekends. Mm-hmm. And then I went down to Chupacabra and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, who dude. are all these people? Thousands of people. Yeah. 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 It's pretty wild. So, um, I yeah, it's a race of troops, dude. I need to get down there. It's God. So yeah. So, oh well, we, let's. We talked we, about. We need to get to the segue somewhere. Oh, so so big band. We're talking about big bands, right? You guys gonna yeah. do this epic mm-hmm. trip at big bands? Um, what is so so bike packing? You guys did some shakedown rides leading up to it, though. We did one shakedown. <laughs> or a I've, shakedown. I've been ride. out a few times, but Kirsten has kind of a newer bike. And fully kitted it out. I had a brand new kit that I built for our craft fair in Moab, which was super fun. All the, the whole town comes, and uh, made you know, got got some good recognition from people who like kind of heard that I was there, never seen my stuff. Um, made some really good contacts with like a new kid in town starting a pack raft repair business. You know, perfect Sick. guy to have as a buddy. You know, uh, and he ended up buying a frame bag from me. Nice. Um, you know, meeting a photographer in town, stuff like that. Just little things that, you know, I don't always get just being in a basement shop. But, um, yeah, so, I don't know, I was kind of trying to get Kirsten to want to go all the way to Baja, but <laughs> we really don't have time for that. <laughs> so what I've, are you talking about? She's retired, man. you got time yeah, for all of th- it. This is, yeah. <laughs> she that, like, that's next she, year. What she hasn't told you is that she is a really good skier, both Alpine and Nordic, and we we have we got great snow last year in moab Utah. and we skied a lot and then we skied up in salt lake and it was amazing year in fact it was the best year since they started recording snow levels in 83 or 4 i believe um and i was there in the 90s when there was like three el nino winters that were just off the chart good and just got to the point where the bad winter came i just didn't ski because it's not three feet of fresh powder. Why should I go ski? Brat. <laughs> you know, totally. <laughs> yeah. So, but now I'm a little older and I'm not nearly as strong as I was back then. And uh, I ski a little differently. But Kirsten's an amazing skier. And, and last year we stuck around Moab quite a bit. But Mo- yeah. Moab sounds dope. I mean, you, you, I mean, it kept you there this long. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a beautiful place and a great community of people. I mean, I have no plans to, you know, move out of that place, but I'm really looking forward to spending time, you know, checking out other really cool places. So home base. Yeah. It's a great home base. And yeah, we'll, we're, you know, we're, we're taking the Southern trip this month before hopefully the snow will really start coming down in earnest up in the mountains and, you know, January, February, we can do more of that. And Baja will be there. next winter <laughs> have you done much bike packing before meeting this dude no not not bike packing in its present form i've done some pretty serious bike touring more back in the day um like you know, with pavement the old, yeah pavement panniers, yeah. with with the bigger panniers right. and some more leaves um but really i almost virtually all of that was done on a mountain bike you know i've never really done it on a road bike so 
but yeah, it's, I, I did that kind of more early in my career and then hung up the panniers for quite a while. And then now really just venturing into the bike packing world and really enjoying it and, you know, looking forward to doing more. What do you like so much about it? You know, it's the same as it's it's just a different way to enjoy your bike and get out there, but for a longer period of time to really like see a, an area more in depth that you can't do on just a day ride or, you know, and being able to take your time, you know, cause I know a lot of the rides you might do as a bike pack. You, yeah. You could go power it out in a day, but you don't really see anything. So getting out and being able to camp and just immerse yourself in the, the natural beauty of all these places is, you know, to me is about as good as it gets. That's awesome. That's where her business was. They were focused on that, getting people out to see the beauty. It wasn't always about the ride. I mean, when the the Swiss come over, (laughs) it's more about the ride. But what's really funny with the Swiss is they do, what, four different trips with you guys in one month? Two. Two. And, And then we kind of, support them and do in a couple other areas like with shuttles and okay. stuff. So, but we do like two larger guided, you know, multi-day trips. So like places that so, they can't really get to in one day. So, so how does, how does that work? Like, um, okay. For someone listening, it's like, they're like, what the hell's bike packing? They don't know any, you know, the minds are blown. So, blah, so blah, blah, blah. I, w- I want to focus on Kirsten's business first to, because it pretty well, Bikepacking is an extension of tour of bike touring, which has been going on for a century or more. Right? People have always traveled by bike. Um, but so Kirsten's business was was Backroads out before you guys, or oh yeah, Backroads has been around for quite a while more, but they were more focused so road as touring. road touring. So Backroads was the really common road touring thing. When you got Bicycling Magazine in the 70s, you'd see the ad for Backroads. I think I have one of those magazines say, on the shelf. <laughs> we should say that it's supported right. touring. Totally supported. Yeah. So like, what does Rim Tours offer? Like, If someone, you know, me, I'm, I'll just speak for myself. Mm-hmm. I, if I go to Moab and I'm like, I just want to, my bike's broke, I don't have anything, I want to show up, just mm-hmm. me. And I've got a weekend. What do you guys got for me? Like, how does that work? So, um, so Rim Tours has, you know, really started out as like multi-day supported backcountry mountain bike tours. And like the first tour we ever did was the White Rim Trail in Canyonlands National Park. And that's, you know, just a bucket list ride for so many people. It's about the way we do it. It's about 85 to 90 miles of, you know, four wheel drive routes and with camps campsites along the way so we'll do it as like a three-day or a four-day tour and we have a big four-wheel drive truck that carries all the gear all the water and the food and equipment and people's gear and our guests just have to ride their bike and have a good time because our guides kind of take care of the rest of it one of them's driving the support vehicle behind the group the other one is riding with the group you know, showing them the sites, doing some really neat side hikes and like literally immersing yourself in this like incredibly beautiful place. And in a way that like, it's not that accessible or easy to do on your own. Um, so that's a, that's a big, um, feature of, you know, why people are looking for this type of service. And then we do, um, similar types of, you know, guided and supported rides throughout Utah, Colorado, 
um, northern New Mexico, sorry, northern Arizona are, are primarily the places that we go. And but then we also have a, a very strong just day tour guided day tours in Moab um, program. And so if you're just there for a couple of days, I want to just get out, see some of the classic trails. Don't want to get lost. Not sure where I'm going. I want you know you to help and me and ride with pick. shredders. Like if you're not traveling with anyone, you was like, like if you want to ride with someone, that's a really good rider. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got you know top notch, very, very experienced good point. guides. You know that are great riders, but great people. Um, you know, and and of all ages. You know, we've got guides in their 20s. I've got guides in their 70s. So we can really like match people up for someone who's like a good fit for them. Um plenty of you know female guides as well so it's um great you know, fleet of bikes yeah great santa cruz bikes both analog and electric yeah Sick. yeah we, we do e-bike tours now and um you know that's a growing part of the business and it's it's just a it's it's so interesting you know over the course of you know how long i've been doing this but you know back in the day in the early 90s you know you just really only got pretty serious mountain bikers, you know, coming out. And, you know, even though they were pretty serious, they still saw that, well, I can't really do the white rim on my own, you know, so I'm going to hire this company to, to take me out there. And to where mountain biking became like way more mainstream and, you know, that we get folks that come through Moab and Moab has become so synonymous with mountain biking. People that would probably never take a mountain bike tour anywhere else in the world are like, sign me up, you know, take me out, show me something, to, you know, beautiful and fun to do. And, you know, it's, it's hilarious how many folks would be like, I just want to go to the most beautiful spots. Like, well, <laughs> it's hard to find a place that's not scenic and not beautiful um, around Moab. So, um, I mean, there's a reason we have two national parks, like right outside of town. And that being Arches and Candylands. So, you know, it was really... Uh, you know, fantastic business, you know, to be involved with for as long as I did. And, um, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm definitely of that age where I'm like, how did I get here? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> but here I am. And it's really great to have, you know, some younger energy, you know, putting into it and, you know, probably take it in some directions that I might not have taken it, but, um, it's still a, you know, a wonderful company with, you know, pretty much the same staff and, you know, folks that have really made it what it is are still there. So that sounds so cool. So yeah. you're probably wondering how the support is done. That's my favorite part of the business. Wait, well, I, my question was about the support leading up to that. Like, who thought of that? Was that your brainchild? Like, like what? Well, I didn't start the business, um, but the guy who did had worked as a river guide. And if you've ever been on a multi-day river trip, there's a boat that carries all the stuff. And, you know, people are in the boat and they float down the river or go through the rapids or whatever. And then they pull up on a beach and the guides, you know, unpack the boat. And there's like the food coolers and the, you know, tables and all the utensils and the way to cook meals. And, you know, they take really good care of their guests. And so they cook and everything. Yeah. The, so the you guys literally do. don't have to like lift a finger if you're on. I, I have my food handler's permit now. Right. <laughs> don't let this guy. Fifty-three years old. I have yeah. a food handler's permit now. You were about to eat that tuna out of your fucking pannier <laughs> earlier, dude. <laughs> so I don't know if I want you in charge of dinner and lunch. Yeah. And 
But this guy was, you know, really into mountain biking in the early days. And he just saw, it's like, we could do a a mountain bike tour just like we do with a river. Same recipe. Have a truck instead of a boat. Totally. You know, and he he had made these like wooden kind of chuck wagon things that were just on the back of a pickup truck. And all the people's gear went in the interior part of the pickup truck. And I mean, literally, it just had a big wooden flap that you know you could let down and that was the table and you just cooked everything off the, the back it was Sick. pretty rudimentary but early overlanding um <laughs> yes, yeah it was uh I, I, it would be great to try to find some old photos of that oh, system yeah. because it was pretty special um especially like in the few times that the tailgate of the truck might come open and the entire thing would just come back off the end of the truck oh no the, i mean that happened more than once and like, they that still I had to deal they with. still lose dry bags off of the rigs no yeah, they still do. <laughs> so anyway we've been refining the support part of it i'm sure it's all dialed yeah it's well it's dialed but it, it'll continue to get more dialed and, yeah you know, i mean yeah. now all of a sudden you know we've got e-bikes so then you got to have a whole charging system in the truck whoa how does there. that work um you know using batteries connecting them to the crazy connecting the the batteries to the truck so that when the truck's driving it's recharging the oh, battery wow. system a solar so, panel on one of them yeah. Sick. I remember that's definitely a system that will keep evolving, I'm sure. Oh, we're just in the yeah, yeah. yeah we're in the early crazy. stages of all that. I've been learning so much lately. Um it's pretty sweet to be fully on Bosch certified. Oh nice. Uh, yeah, which yeah. is nice. I've, been, I've, I've kind of been wanting to do that myself. Yeah, it's it's yeah, I go through a lot of training online and and take tests and order a bunch of diagnostic tools and blah blah blah. But um it's the future is now, you know. Yeah. It's here, and it's. Uh, I'm embracing it, you know. Not that I've ever had anything against e-bikes. Mm, I, I want one. I've wanted one for a really long time. I was so stoked when they finally, like got these good. companies finally got. Yeah, they got <laughs> good, dude. Yeah, like it's like oh, they shred now. Yeah. Like they're not just like commuters or whatever. And uh, so now, like, put hearing about like uh, companies like yours, or what used to be yours or whatever. Um, lean into the e-bike thing sick because mm-hmm. one of the I like e-bikes for a lot of reasons uh, they, they're just fun and they shred they're they get people out there that otherwise you know wouldn't be able to get out there too like that's one of the reasons and mm-hmm. I remember seeing like I was out at um, I think it was the Puzzler a couple years back and the one I think it was like the one right after COVID <clears throat> and uh sent him camp the night before and i went on a little cruise backwards up uh lazy cow i was climbing it from the campsite and this dude which i guess maybe it should be a one-way trail i don't know but <laughs> whatever i was going up it i pulled over and and this dude was on an analog bike totally kitted out like you know total shredder whatever he's ripping and right behind him this like i don't know 12 or 13 year old kid who was on an e-bike right on his ass you know <laughs> like and i was i don't know what kind of it, they was it was obvious that they were riding together um but it was cool like they were riding together these otherwise like if you put them on two regular bikes like someone's gonna be missing out it looked like both of them were were getting something out of it like you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i think it's super cool that that things are getting 
push to this other level of like bike packing on e-bikes like you know older mm. people or 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 non-fit or whatever the case may be you just want to you're just tired or whatever yeah. the hell you know um I, that's I, sick i've had an e-bike bot die on me my only real e-bike ride I mean, died on pros me. and cons yeah <laughs> for sure and it's no fun so that, i don't think the bike packing scene's ever really going to see it you'll have people that are trying it but it's not ever going to become mainstream and i do know oh. that old logan at bikepacking.com is like nope never gonna do e-bike stuff ever so like uh travis uh, brown and belt drives in the backcountry right. just takes that one one time one time <laughs> of popping a belt he's like nope give me a chain yeah so yeah well i'm i'm so, so confident I, though i just want to i want to say that the, the the rigs that they have now are the funnest things ever to drive they're just monster ford 350s lift kits lockers all around i always saw them at sedona they're crazy um, some of them have onboard air no you did did they have a rig at sedona no didn't you guys have vans we just have have our vans Vans. oh i thought that's what you're talking about no the vans just have 15 bike rack on the top oh just yeah (laughs) only well those yeah the vans will use some of the trips we do we'll use a van and a cargo trailer but the the real backcountry stuff where we need four-wheel drive we have a big F three fifty, there's several, with you know that's that's got a custom rack to carry everything and, and yep. yeah they're baller. I want to see this. They're super fun. and they're, they shouldn't be fun to drive because you're supposed to be driving them so really slow, slow. <laughs> <laughs> that it's really not fun at all. Well, I'm I'm gonna push against Dave on the e bike backpacking thing. I think uh, I'm excited. I think I have faith. Yeah, well, they'll, I know. They'll, people, they'll are, people are doing it. People are like setting up trips where they go to a state park that has power, you mm-hmm. know, so they can charge. Um, some people are doing it with a spare battery. Um, but I think most people that are doing it are staying within their range, treating it kind of like an electric car trip. Um, an electric car trips, same thing, man. People have to find a place where they can charge. And Oh, supported. I, I'm specifically thinking supported. Like, I, I don't know that I would do a not now. Like right now, if someone's like, here, take this Well, you, you, you said bike packing and e-bikes. So right. To me, I'm, bike packing is not supported. I meant... Uh, like the bike touring. The touring, the, the, right. The tours that's what I, what's oh, in yeah. my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I, all right, no. Well, talking about that, oh, like we, bike packing? I've heard so other guides have told me that they've been on trips where multiple bikes have died. And they couldn't get them going. And like, even she went on a trip where it, didn't, it wouldn't turn on until it warmed up. It's probably not good for business right now, pushing the whole e-bike touring thing. <laughs> but whatever. No, we're, we're we're talking industry stuff, and yeah, and and in, mm-hmm. people within the industry know it, and, they, and that's a problem that they have to figure out. That's what I love about these um, lighter weight e-bikes these days, like with the Fazua motor and like you know the the thirty-five sub thirty-five. Yeah, I don't we've know been here. I think Scott's doing one pound, or something. Where you know what you can take the battery out, and it's like an enduro bike. Yeah. And you could pedal that thing yeah. and still have fun, you know, honestly. Uh, I heard a podcast with um, Pivot, uh, Chris Kokalis. Chris Kokalis. And he was talking about the Pivot uh, Shuttle SL when they first launched that and how he was riding that bike for like a while, like months or something. Don't quote me on that. But for a while, he was riding it without a battery. And oh, he was like, he, he was just doing rides. Like, yeah, he's like one of those guys that like tries to s- slice it every which way, yeah. right? Yeah, which you should if you're making bikes for people, you know. Um, doing anything really, I think. But 
uh, I thought that was super rad because it's something I think about. Like, what happens if you get out there and you've got this tank of a bike and you're 15, 20 miles, you know, 15 miles out? Yeah. Like in in the desert, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you could die. Yeah, straight up. Yeah. And s- and I mean, that's one of the things I talked about off camera, off the mics about the uh, water caches. Having a water cache that you have to stock. It's like, what happens if you get out there and there's no water in there anymore? Yeah, we've you got know? the one off of Newman's and the one on the, I don't know how many people know about it, but the one on the backside of Northern Pass on the west side of North. Yeah, what's is it still up, is it still above the wash or is it one up on the hill? I don't know. I can't remember if there was two or three that Newman two. and I put in. There was there was two on the west side. One was at the bottom yeah. of the switchbacks. So three total. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then the other one was at the top of the wash, just down the hill from there. Right. I remember. Um, yeah, Robert Newman. Uh, he would go out there though. He it was his project, and he would go out there right. and refill them like then once he a week. Going out there. <laughs> yeah. And, and so we had to like figure that out. So I did pull one out. I'm going to tell people that right now. I did pull one out. The one off Newman's trail, I pulled out. Um, but, uh, the others stayed and I guess this, if some, I heard somebody else is taking care of them, but so my push to you guys now here is a challenge to the state park to see if they'd even do it is to put in a, uh, Arizona trail style water capture cache thing. So it has a big like flower thing on top that catches the, catches the water from rain and puts it into a tank and you roll up on it and fill it from the tank you still got to filter it but it's out there it's a great idea so it wouldn't have to be managed at all so just like with the rain that we had last night y'all slept out at uh anthony's gap right yeah it rained on us not a lot but i mean there was water running off my solar panels and we heard it dripping 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 and so there There you go when you can capture the water we actually used a uh wildlife guzzler on sierra vista trail on this shakedown that has a what probably a 10 by 20 roof on the ground that ca- captured the water. Yeah. But I mean, if, if you've had like a, a really prolonged drought, those yeah, things are not going to have any. So, I mean, if you want to have water out there for people, you're going to have to have a backup system. Yeah. I would yeah. Think. There used to be a well out there. Really? Yeah. The, the windmill. Oh, that's right. It was a well, it had a tank and everything. I was so sad when they let that die. But I, heard, I also heard the water was really bad. It was super salty and maybe even had arsenic in it. So, oh, yeah, well, which is something. <laughs> which is one of the reasons Big Ben never took off. Back to Big Ben. Here we go. Here's an ADHD looping around. Hey, so you're in good company, sir. So where where uh, <laughs> where the uh, where um, the candle factory, the wax factory, was down in Big Bend. Um, there was a ranch nearby and that ranch had to shut down because the water got too much arsenic in it. And I think it was so bad. It was like killing the cows. So yeah. And it's in the water out there in the cone zone, stuff like that. It's just lower levels. It's out there on the monumental loop. So you got to be aware of that. You don't be drinking that all the time. I don't know if a filter gets that stuff out or not. ADHD. How was monumental loop? (laughs) Well, we only did part of it. What part? We did from... Crucis uh, up to Apache Mountain, Sierra Vista Trail down to the Vado dropout and dropped out at Vado and then took the levee back, which was, we saw some huge birds. Oh my God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great blues? No. Great whites. I don't mean that. I don't know. The big white. Yeah. Great white herons. or herons or whatever yeah. they are. I saw a blue heron. And a bunch of hawks, ago. too. Yeah. Oh, man. They're beautiful. 
Yeah, it's crazy. I'm like, what are you guys doing down here? There ain't no water down here. I guess there is. <laughs> I don't know. Just, well, well, there should puddles. be. There should be water. There's puddles. <laughs> and I think that's the only thing that keeps them. There's like some kind of puddles that stick around for most of the winter until it starts to flow again. I'll go ride Chris the Ray. I just rode it yesterday, and uh, I can't help but just stop every time I cross over that Sunland Park Bridge. It goes over the Rio, and there's always some some sort of cool bird or birds, you know, oh, yeah. hanging out and just make it a point to just hang out, you know, just be quiet for a minute. It's nice. So nice. It's just nice being outside on a bike, <laughs> you know, like whatever, like going to work to school. Um, I, I read something people for bikes.org put some, some like uh thing out. This was years ago. The, uh, they're really pushing hard. Um, giving us a bunch of like uh pop for the shop right and there's this really cool thing that had like fun facts and one that stuck with me was uh most of your trips from home are like within two miles away and so it's like why not go by bike you know just mm-hmm. throw a rack a pannier or a backpack or whatever and go get your groceries uh you go do whatever you do we're right? seeing it man Electric bikes, the little cheesy e-bikes. I'm all about, dude. I am all about it. They're one of the biggest selling bikes in America right now. Because people want something, they can just hop on and go to the park or the grocery store or maybe even to work that might be three, four, five miles away. And they just want to throttle it. (laughs) And then, you know, it's all like, and it's great. It's it's quiet. It's, you know, it's, it's not using gas. Well, being outside is beneficial, period, you know, like regardless of whether you're like getting this crazy cardio exercise or not, just being in the sun, getting the elements, like all that vitamin D, blah, blah, blah. It's all true and proven. And the more we're outside, just the better we are as humans. So, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm stoked, man. Whatever gets people in, in bike saddles, like so, so be it. That's why I'm so, I'm so stoked about the e-bike, uh, shuttle or uh touring uh-huh. yeah Sup- supported touring i think that's yeah it's great. just it's get, it, like you said before it's getting you know people that wouldn't necessarily do this trip out there because it's it's enabling you know them to keep up with their friends or their spouse or um you know just maybe they've like i had a guy this fall on a trip that at the last minute he's like i better use an e-bike because he had had a um open heart surgery like mm-hmm. four months before <laughs> so that's that's my next challenge to the industry the companies making e-bikes need to include an add-on for an aed that would be dude that would be because <laughs> you got all these old dudes that are riding these things i had heart surgery and it's like put an aed on them man You're yeah just like aed equipped absolutely and you see a guy keeled over on the trail pulling out dude i ordered a freaking uh an intense taser Back in the day when I was selling intense bikes, um, this was right before COVID hit, like right, right, right before, a month before, uh-huh. um, like the shutdown shit, you know, so, sorry. And I uh, had my e-bike on there. I, I was riding. I wasn't riding. I thought I couldn't. I had this weird. Yeah, remember you had the heart issue. You yeah. Got like ablation a, done and all right. I got the ablation done. And, and I thought for so long that I just was, my biking days were done or whatever. Some of these e-bikes came out and they were like legit like shredders Mm -hmm. i was like oh not only can i get on a bike but i can like hang with my my shredder friends like 
Tyson yeah. and, you know, at the time my wife and everybody who that I wanted to ride with, like some of the closest people in my life still to this day, you know, they ride. And again, it's such a, it's always been such a big part of my life. So for, for that to be like, to open the door for, for, you know, where I was back then and be like, Oh, you can have this back. And just because it has a motor and a battery, like it was so, I was so excited. It didn't end up happening because the industry got weird and, uh, and greedy and whatever, like, Remember, like, how hard it was to just get tubes and shit? Like, oh, back yeah. in we knew. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was we nuts. Were part of it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so they canceled. And they were riding two year old bikes for the first time in a long, long, long time. Yeah. They canceled my order. Um, and we're like, no, we're going to sell it to just like a, make more money selling it to like a regular customer and not to like an employee. Shop guy, yeah. yeah. I was like, damn it. <laughs> um, that was a bummer. But fast forward, and you know, I was able to thank goodness figure it out in other ways and i got my health back and got back on a normal bike and riding you're riding just... better than ever better than i ever thought you would holy smokes <laughs> i feel like i should have come with like something single speedy to hand to you but it, i think the person who needs to hand it to you is mo frias because ah, I, I handed so it to much, Mo Frias. So much respect for that guy so okay i want to tell my robert newman story hmm. all right so robert newman he's as far as we know he's still alive um, but he's being cared for by his kids uh, out in East El Paso. Um, but uh, trail builder, just a legend for, for El Paso. He put in, so he and I worked on a bunch of trail in the Northeast there, um, Northern Pass, um, Hit Canyon, and the Newman Trail. Sotol? He made Sotol. So I didn't work much on Sotol with him. He did that like in a summer, like one summer. He did it. By the way, Guido, if you're listening to this man, please come on the pod. I want to chat. Guido's going to make you pay him. He always wants to get paid for <laughs> trimming bushes and everything. Come Love on. you, Guido. Come I love on, you. Know man. I'm fucking with you. Sorry. Rest it. Just <laughs> Strike one. Strike one. Dave got it. But yeah, yeah, Guido's great. And I rest I, in peace, Doc. Doc Mabry. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Godfather's of mountain biking in El Paso, man. We need. We need. Yeah. Uh, and I think it would have been fantastic if you could have gotten Robert to just even speak from the bedside, tell us a bedside story. I asked him when I started this podcast. He was one of the first people that I reached out. I had a, I called him. Um, I, when I was working at the state park, we he would come into the uh, the office sometimes and basically just like bail me out, like bust me out. <laughs> you have a lunch? Did you bring lunch? Like yeah you know whatever and he's like get some water he's like let's go hey Cesar, can i steal richie for you know i need i need some help with this thing or whatever and we'd go four-wheeling in the back country yeah. and scout and he'd just tell me stories dude oh, stories yeah. and yeah. i was just like i had the good fortune it. to work with so this is where yeah. my story comes in and this relates to you're talking about 12-hour race and how like in your 12-hour race you these moments of emotion where oh, you're just yeah. like you can't keep it together and like the, the some of the best races you ever have, finish wise, have, probably have the worst of those moments. What do you mean? Like, like the aftermath? Like no, no, no. Or? Like while you're out there having that emotional moment, Oof. it's the worst it's ever been. Like the worse it is, the better your finish is going to be. At least in my mind. So like Chupacabra was one. You'd, you'd get out, you'd take the levee out, and it was my best year. I finished. I pipped two dudes from Rika Burger like 20 meters from the finish for 10th place. And I always wanted top 10. And at that time I was not a long distance racer. I was 
the powerhouse short track guy. But um, you know, we started way down in Zaragoza, so we ride like it was like eighteen miles of levee or something, just perfectly flat. You're flying, you're going so fast with a group of like four hundred people for the first couple of miles. Dudes are rubbing tires and getting launched into the air and landing on top of people. So, and then you finally get out to the single track and trail, and then you're coming back through, and they send you through a Napra. And you're dying and you're cramping. And I'm probably going to break that right now telling the story. But there's little kids that live in these shacks in an opera. And like sewage is open, running through the street. And I'm rolling through on, at the time, one of the most expensive mountain bikes you could get your money on. And here I am living in a house, pay, getting paid for a job, eating great food. And here are these little kids, poor as hell, cheering for you. You know, and it's just like, <laughs> you're doing everything you can to keep you together. And, and then, of course, that year sucked because you had to ride maybe 18 miles of levee back down to Zaragoza. <laughs> and you're always in the wind by yourself. And if you get lucky, you're with someone who hopefully isn't going to slow down and who's dying himself. You try to get with someone that's just fast enough to help you catch up to those other guys. And that year, man, but so that was one of the stories I've always wanted to tell. And I don't know, did I, I didn't tell that. The you last mentioned time. it in the last one, yeah. but it's okay. So, it's, but, so this goes to the next one, which is Robert Newman. And hopefully I didn't tell this story before. Probably should have the podcast so. major. so this so. one has to do with the year Tinker dropped out because of the broken pedal. Cause he would not stop using, I think time pedals or not mm. time looks. He wouldn't stop using look pedals. He had like this giant box of look pedals that he would just piece together and keep his pedals going for years. Brand new bikes, 15-year-old pedals. <laughs> so he comes down. I think it's his third puzzle or something. And so Robert and I spent a lot of time working on the Newman Trail together and the Northern Pass Trail, in particular the uh, east side, where it's like super gnarly up there. And it's like when you're doing puzzler clockwise, you come over hit and you're coming down and you think, oh yeah, it's all downhill. But then you got to climb back out again, all that stuff in there. We actually like put a gnome in there. I think Robert took it away, but I put a gnome in there for like, cause Robert looked like a gnome, you know, <laughs> he looked like a trail, he was our trail gnome. But, uh, um, so we worked on, on, on this one stretch. So where the, where you come out of the wash and start to climb up the Newman trail, the trail kind of cruises along kind of on the contour and then it takes a left and just kind of shoots up and you're headed due North. So it's, I don't know what year this puzzler was, but it was my, I think it was my last good one. So we're coming around. So that's finishing up the 35 mile loop. This is just a basically halfway into the race, I guess. And he is over there where that water cache is on the East side. He's standing there. He's always the trail marshal out there. And I come through and he's, I hear him. Tinker broke his bike. Tinker broke his bike. He says, there's two guys in Colorado up there in front of you. Fourth and fifth. Or third, third and fourth, I think. Yeah, third and fourth. And I was like, cool. And of course, I'm single speed and those guys are geared. And they're from Colorado. And it's the same. We get it all the time. So guys come down from Colorado. Oh, this will be an easy race, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, bring your bitch. <laughs> and I looked up, and those guys are both not too far apart. And they're on that spot, the 
that Robert and I spent an entire day working on and telling stories, swapping stories, all that stuff, you know? And I like, I caught him. I like, I put, I closed like a 200 meter gap before he could not see us anymore. Like I was, it was like, how did that just happen? You know, and went on to finish third overall that year, which was my best finish on a single speed ever. And, uh, third overall, third overall. So I think Brenneman got second or third one year and then Timon came out and won it on a single speed, I think. Right. I think he won yeah. the whole thing on a single speed the first time he did it. I think so. I don't so, remember. I remember him coming out. That guy's yeah. a bitch. Yeah, but then, I, and I think that may have been the year when, no, because Mo was not ahead of me that year. There was another year when Mo was ahead of me, and we start heading up from Heinrich up the kind of gravelly loose road, and he was ahead of me the whole time. And I'd almost caught him. We had run it. We had run it counterclockwise that year. Yeah, because I remember trying to, man, that maybe not, I, I'm maybe confused, but let me stick to with the part that I do know. <laughs> <That came around. laughs> I, I'm cruising up as after going down, what's that descent that drops you into Heinrich that's all gnarly that's right there by the dam? It's got a name. Trench down? Trench, no, not trench no. down, further south, the last trail south. So when you go, when you go into Heinrich. Cardiac? Yeah, yeah, cardiac, because people go up that and they have a cardiac, right? Because it's no one goes up that who rides there if they're smart. We used to, but <laughs> some people that, I don't know why. But so I'm cruising. I come off cardiac. I come around, and I see him, and I was like, I'm gonna get him. And he, uh, I come around the corner, and he is on the ground camping. Who Mo? Yeah. Oh man, that's and a I was just like, feeling. I got him. And I don't know if he was riding a single speed that year, or if he was riding his giant, and it was single speeded. I can't remember. But that's the last time I beat Mo. The next one, he he put it on me, and so I was strong. all like, "Okay, I need to like pass something on to Mo, you know, because he's now the badass single speeder in the area, and I think Mo should be the one that passes." Well, <laughs> I don't know about that because I haven't raced Mo. <laughs> oh yeah, good point. So no, I, I I um I I no no no, it's not even. I'm. We'll see what happens at the puzzler. Like I well, I do know. Twelve hour. I don't know what the twelve hour course was, but I think my best twelve hour course I did. I think I did. I do eleven. I think I did eleven laps and had like forty minutes to chill. You know the thing about racing, dude, is like every race is its own thing. Oh yeah, totally. you know it's like who shows up, what, how are you the feeling, weather, like all of it leading up to. It's just Everything. like. What happens on that day? Yeah. Like, what do they used to call it? Any given Sunday, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, Tinker with his pedal. Yeah. You know, there's oh, none, yeah. of, none of these like, what if or what or should have, could have, what is. It's like, every day is just different, yeah. dude. You never know what, what's going to happen. Health, you get sick, you know, you, you whatever. Just one of a endless, oh, yeah. endless variables. Bad that, bottle. So for things the wrong that, bottle. So the whole, the, <laughs> the competition part of it, I really have a hard time with, with, saying and i don't i don't like being like oh you're you're the best and i'm the worst it's like I, yeah i yeah. don't even play into that shit i really don't i i yeah i know i know you don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'd rather go out there and then and, and just do, do the best i can with i what i've got and like be and just leave it all yeah, out there yeah. i love coming in just for toast yeah, dude yeah, yeah oh man well if you're not doing that you're what's the point 
Yeah. You know, that's the whole point of racing is to put it all out there yeah. and, and try to be better than the other guy who's maybe training as hard or harder than you are doing something different, paying a coach, whatever that, and that part to me was important because it was such a big part of my life. I wanted to make sure it counted. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to like feel like I was wasting my time or money. Now, granted my training changed a lot near the end when I started doing the 12 hours and some of the bike packing stuff, I, yeah, it changed a whole lot. I got to where I was just like, just ride to, to ride and make sure you feel good when you're riding and push yourself and all that. Stop doing intervals, stop doing the weight training, stop doing all that stuff. So it changed a lot when I went to the full endurance stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I know that you don't have that yet, I think, but from what I heard in your podcast, it's there. You just haven't like. Oh no, it's there. It's, I feel it. Yeah, it's at just times. like. I have and, to. And, and you I don't want to be a bad sport. I mean, I I felt like some of the people I competed against were bad sports, and maybe I just didn't. Maybe I was coming off as being a, a bad sport, and so we just never connected or anything like that. Um, but I I feel like near the end of my career, when like Mo was out there, getting really fast, God, I was so stoked because for a long time. It was it was me, and not many other people. Some guys come down from Crucis and from Albuquerque, like Damien and all those guys that were always faster than me. It was like I felt like there was always a little bit of pressure to go out and represent El Paso and do well. And I was proud of that. I I loved being able to tell people, oh yeah, I live in El Paso, Texas, and be on the podium with guys from Colorado. You know, so it's like this is rad. So see Mo come up, I was like, oh hell yeah, right hell on. Hell yeah, dude. I know, and then I know um what's his name? Uh uh Paul Pasillas. Mm-hmm. He was killing it for a while. Um yeah, and he's back to racing again. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's not in town anymore. Is no, he? he lives up in Idaho, he's part of the Hoonigan crew. Oh wow. Yeah. Like with R.I.P. Ken Block and all yeah. that. Oh yeah. crazy. Dude. Yeah. yeah, I Black um, Rifle no, maybe not Hoonigan as much as Black Rifle Coffee. I don't know what's going so, on in the world. I don't know what people are up to. I try to stay up on some on all these old friends and stuff. I try to follow them. I lost. Oh, I did lose my Facebook. It got hacked, and I had to like start over again. But I think I'm like reconnecting with enough people, and I have enough people still on Instagram. Um, but people have weird handles on Instagram. I don't go by their name, so uh, I've been kind of trying to reconnect, um, like digitally, with some people. And Paul's got a kid now. And oh, uh, congrats, Paul. Yeah, but. Awesome. Um, uh, who else? Um, um, tall kid that worked at uh, uh, Crazy Cat for so long and Hansky guy. Sim? Sim. Sim Gallegos. You know, Sim was killing it for quite a while. Oh, too, yeah, dude. You know? Yeah. So El Paso's seen its fair share of really solid mountain bikers. And I think that if if El Paso catches up to other cities in regards to how they treat mountain biking and getting like as a city how they treat mountain biking because I, I know you guys are still struggling with it you don't have what moab has in regards to a trail mix the bmb is trying but they're never it's never going to be like moab because everyone in moab has a stake in the sport because it it brings money in big time i mean yeah. it's one of the main economies is mountain biking um and it's that way in uh bentonville now yeah. And Asheville, North Carolina is that way for yep. 
similar time of year for us. Their I've been in Asheville. Too. Yeah, it's nice. So Asheville and Brevard and all those places. Brevard. It's very similar. So, and El Paso will never really want that or need that as a city because of all the other economies that are here. You know, the border economy and manufacturing and everything else. I kind of love that about this place. It, to be know, honest it, with you, man, yeah, it's like it's under cool. the radar. So it's like, just enough. but you could, know. you could have the same number of people coming to visit and ride the trails, which might be a bad thing. I don't know. You end up having to have a full-time trail crew. Yeah. That does maintenance. We talked about this on the first yeah, pod that we did. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, it'd be interesting to see what would happen with all that. It's it's exciting to to be a part of it. You know, I think about Kirsten and, like, how you, you talked about your start at Moab and being back, like, all those years. And uh, I wonder, like, I, you're making me think back to, like, I still feel like I'm some 16-year-old kid who just started <laughs> out at the Bico, like, or whatever, you know. Um, you know your place. <laughs> You know, and being where we are now, in the dojo, in the dungeon, in this fight club. This place is dope. Yeah, you dig it, man. I love Other it. than the fact that it doesn't have any windows, and my workshop is the same way, and my employee, Rose, shout out to Rose. She's on vacation right now with her family. She and I both, it's like, what can we do outside today? Getting back to being outside. Yeah, yeah. Being and it's outside. like, oh, we got a lot of cutting to do, and like cutting inside kind of sucks, even with an exhaust fan on. So let's take it outside and just make sure we're you know, downwind. Totally. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's super important. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful to have this spot though. I feel very lucky to just be able to keep doing what I'm doing. Like I hear, I, I look up to you as far as like, from what I know so far and what you've shared with me and, and, you know, obviously we don't know each other very well, but I hope to keep doing this as long as possible to, Yeah just as long as I can. It's such a beautiful thing to be a part of. And I think bad, I'm like, holy crap, you know, 20, going on my 22nd year, you know, of feeling like I'm still 16 or whatever <laughs> and doing this consistently for the last, even when I was working at the state park, I was working at a bicycle company on the weekends one day a week yeah. doing their warranties processing and, you know, for the, for the wholesale deal or whatever, just to be honestly, just, just to, to, to have a foot in the door, the, just to be a part of the family. Being part of the whole, yeah, the whole family. Yeah. And so. and it's uh, it's it is weird sometimes being in a like I love my solitude, and I get my best work done when I'm by myself here, working in silence, and you know just doing my thing in the shop. Um, I love doing the podcast. I love being out in the events and racing. That's a new thing for me. You where shouldn't young. be doing stuff you don't love. No, I, I, I love it all. I, Even though I, do. I didn't love moving furniture there. Like I <laughs> told myself, this is going to be awesome. I should continue. <laughs> How, the idea of like not doing this, you know what I'm saying? Like talking about all these, all these experiences, um, just sharing. It's, it's really nice. But I feel so stoked to just be like still in the thick of it i feel like oh, i have yeah, so much yeah, you're gonna left. i mean you're here you know what i mean i mean this this el paso i mean i i tell people in moab it's like if you're going through el paso you need to stop there and ride tell and them to hit really? me up man i mean I, so yeah it's like just go to the franklins and do the loop in the franklins or go to lost dog and ride something at lost dog just ride something out there and i know josh tostada knows that we've got trails now and he came out and pre-rode the I think he pre-rode before the first year or maybe maybe it was the second year he like came back out and like trained more 
or rode more while he was here. And I always wanted that. I always wanted pros to come here for the winter so I'd have faster guys to ride with. But they all want to stay in Tucson for some reason. <laughs> Tucson's <laughs> got it going on, so I can't like yeah, bash them sure. at all. But like, um, Lael's living there, right? She lives in oh, Tucson. Oh, tons of pros live in Tucson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, tons of bikepacking pros. and Great riding. Yeah. It's Mount just, Lemon's just right there. You got tons of elevation gain. And now you got the Lemon Drop. Jesus, they're which, moving. They're moving, they're moving uh, something furniture. Up there. Yeah. They got the Lemon Drop now, which is the big downhill that they're shoveling. So mm-hmm. it's, and it's legit. I mean, it's a big one. That's so, so sick. Yeah. But what, what would, what would you do if you lived here? Knowing what you know about El Paso, Kirsten, like, and, and with your experience and stuff, what, what would, what's your advice? What's your, what do you got for us? Come That's on. That's a great question. Yeah. Well, I, what do you see? You know, it, it, what's unfortunate is that so much of the time I've spent in El Paso was during COVID when there wasn't the opportunity to like really meet the community. It's like when things were still so shut down. So I unfortunately don't feel like I've gotten to know the community here well enough, you know, since we just haven't been back that much, um, you know, since Dave moved up to Moab. So I'm, I'm the type that's going to like look for the gaps or like look for like what, what isn't here. And that's where I just, I don't feel knowledgeable enough about um, the area, but you know, possibly like, you know, Dave's been saying is just to, to really try to get involved in the, um, the local trails group and try to bring the experiences that I've had in Moab, especially like working with the land agencies and, um, you know, try to get more input and support, you know, from them and, and the, the greater community. Um, I think that that's, even though I know that there's been a lot of effort put in those, um, arenas before sometimes just a another voice or another set of ideas is is what can like start to bridge that that gap because I mean Moab was there you know where they're just and and so many other communities that have you know great mountain bike trails have also kind of looked to Moab to say like how did this happen because there's always this disconnect of trying to work with the local land agencies who depending on the people that are working in those agencies, you may or may not have much success in trying to build a good relationship. And, and that didn't exist for a long time in Moab. And then finally we started this, you know, kind of government supported like County group and invited them all to participate. And because it was coming from the government organization, they were like, yeah, we, we can participate. And, through that collaborative effort, it really got something going and, you know, that, and then a couple of our local, you know, trail builders kind of proved themselves like with what they could do, you know, with projects that were like, okay, yeah, we can make this project happen, but we don't think it's going to happen. And then the trail builders actually making it happen and impressing the powers that be to be like, oh, actually we, we can do some things, um, that we didn't think were possible. So kind of building that trust and that, and keeping that working relationship going, you know, there was enough people motivated to, to keep it going that it's now it's like, it's a given. It's like, yeah, we have this, this thing that, that works and the agencies see enough in it to, 
you know, keep sending their representatives and, you know, the local governments. And it, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, so, and I know that there's other communities have really tried to create that on their own turf and, you know, each one's unique and has its own set of challenges to overcome, but I think it is starting to happen in, in more places. So, um, I think a lot of places are, that have terrain and, and have, and want to have a young, vibrant community, they're definitely putting the money into it because that's what Walmart did with Bentonville. They needed people. They wanted people to live there. They, and to do, I've been told to do business with Walmart, you have to have an office in Bentonville. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed. That just sounds silly to me. That's but. what I've been told. And so uh, Shannon Gibson, who used to live here in El Paso, who was a no tubes pro, um, she lived on the west side, was rode for Crazy Cat for years, and then started the no tubes women's team with Nina Baum and some other pros can't remember all their names, but Nina was from UNM and, uh, she, and I think she's working for Canada now. Um, but, uh, where was I going with that? Um, you were talking about Bentonville. Uh, yeah. So Shannon's, uh, sister, uh, works for Walmart or for a company that does business with Walmart. And I, I, he's a British guy who raced on the pro circuit uh, her brother-in-law, Shannon's brother-in-law, saw him riding Crested Butte trails backwards <laughs> because that was one of the things that all the locals were going to do. And he has a, a summer home there. And and their other home is in Bentonville because they have to be there. He said, because they have to be there. And he said during the shoulder seasons, it's amazing. He said, and we haven't been there yet, so I'm not going to... I've seen stuff about it, and I want to go ride it. It's just I don't know if I can handle all the the, the large corporate centers that are there now, I guess. It's something that would kind of wig me out. But then you look at a city like El Paso, it was massive with corporate, with, you know, the Slack Factory, Farrah, all that stuff back in the day. And there's still got Ready One out there south of town and or east of town. And, uh, I heard the Maquilas are firing up big time again. Um, and the property on the east side down by Zaragoza is getting pretty expensive. Amazon's in town. Tesla oh, yeah. was looking. Amazon like, south, yep. Yep. So, yeah. So, you've got, you're going to have a, a, these companies are going to want to bring in their best. And honestly, the mountain bikers are the best. <laughs> <laughs> the guys who mountain bike, they're going, they're problem solvers. They know how to work hard. You know, it's like those are people you want working for you, and so you want to keep them happy. And so we need mount, we need riders in office, is what I'm hearing. Or, um, or rather, we need uh, pro, like pro bikers. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, and, and you have people that office. are doing it now. I know Ann Herkenhoff. She takes clients riding all the time. She, instead of playing golf, she says, "Let's go for a mountain bike ride." And if they've never mountain bike ridden, she she helps them out. Um, doing that is something that when I mean, the industry's done for years, I mean, you talk about like wolf tooth doing this and me doing that. It's like, we all ride, yeah. you know, and that's why we're in it. And we use our riding to move things in our lives. So, I mean, it's a let, you don't know if you really have to let people who ride, you just have to make it. So the people who have influence know the importance of it. 
and the, and they're, they're showing the importance of it to the people they work with. So you get a guy, the CEO somewhere and he mountain bikes and he's talking about mountain biking at work. Like we do all the time. You know, when I had a regular job, talk about mountain biking all the freaking time around people probably drove people nuts, but I got people into it, at least asking and wanting to get into yeah. it. Um, and Eddie Sanchez is one of those. Um, cause his wife, I remember her texting me and saying, we, or maybe she got me at school and said, we want to get into mountain biking. What should, what should we get? And I told them and they did it and they're in just like we are now. And so you get more of that into other worlds, you know, and I, I don't know what Rodney's like at work, but he manages a Makila down there that makes seat covers. And, but I'm, I'm sure he talks about mountain biking, <laughs> you know, and you hope that that like rubs off on some people and they ask, Hey, how do I get into this? You know, because the barrier to entry for the average El Paso one is, is kind of high, you know? Yeah, so well, you're talking about, you know, the Napa kids and, and I mean, it's not that extreme, but it's what you're talking about here, but it's similar. Yeah. It's an expensive can be pretty expensive pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So, I mean, but that's the same time. It's like you got, when you're trying to grow a city, you want the best and the brightest, right? To come in and, and run the city and be your teachers and all that stuff. So you got, um, you know, a, something there for people that like to do this stuff and they'll come. It's just a, you know, you have to show it to them and show them that it's there. And I think, I think some people see that here. I, you know, it's, I can understand why a lot of people come back who grew up here and I can see why people like myself came here and stayed as long as I did and made an impact to, I felt like, well, maybe I'm not making as much of an impact as I'd like to anymore. And, uh, teaching. Oh my God, I'm so glad I'd not go back to school that next year. Cause I heard it was awful, you know, and, and just being part of something that, was a little rougher than I wanted to deal with. Um, it was definitely time for me to leave. And I tell people El Paso treated me so well. Um, and it did. And I hope that I've left enough of a mark to where it continues to move forward. And like Kirsten was saying, you know, doing something like that to where you're trying to get all these people back on board. I'm sitting over here like biting my lip like, oh my gosh, the make that happen here in El Paso would be a freaking miracle. But I don't, I don't think I, and I don't want to, I hate to say this, but it has to be someone who's Hispanic. What do you mean? I think that someone who's Hispanic has to move into a leadership role here and then they push mountain biking because I think the Hispanics get a little bit more, they're better at getting people on board than someone like I was for some reason. I don't know if it was just, Hey, there's that white dude over there and he mountain bikes and he's really fast and I didn't do as good a job. I, I still am pissed that I didn't learn Spanish as well as I should have while I was here. And maybe if I'd learned really good Spanish, I would have been able to be a little more influential in regards to getting more people into mountain biking. Um, and it's, but at the same time, it's like, I, I talk about that, like, you know, like making it sound like El Paso's behind or whatever. I don't, I mean, it, it's probably where it should be. And like when Kirsten and I went to one of the NICA races, the high school league races up there in Utah, um, we were at the price, price Utah. It's just kind of a dirt hole town. It's a mining town, coal mining town. 
and they have a Nike race venue and they have, I think three or four of the Nike races there. And each race brings in 3000 kids. What's Nike? It's the national interscholastic intercollegiate, no. interscholastic no. cycling association. Mm-hmm. So the NICA. And so, uh, New Mexico has one, a league now, uh, California, New Utah have the biggest leagues. Colorado was right there with them, but they dropped out and formed their own league. It's um, basically high school mountain bike. Um, leagues. So my kid did it as a seventh grader and an eighth grader, and now he's going to be in high school next year. Yeah, he's Connor's that old. Yeah, man. right. <laughs> and no, no, dig this. His team has eighty-five kids and nine matching ten by ten tents and two dual wheel trailers with wraps. They've got tables with a matching tablecloth. They've got chairs. They've got ground pads. They've got money. No, 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 no. <laughs> Skyline High School in Salt Lake has 25 10 by 10 tents and four trailers and matching tables and banner flags. Where does the money come from? Dude, it's parents. It's it's all parents because it doesn't come from the school district. <laughs> I, I kind of joke about it because it's bigger than the World Cup. Like you go to World Cup races and it's not like that. I mean, it's big, but not like this. This is nuts. This is bonkers. It's like Texas high school football. (sighs) In Moab, it's bigger than football. (laughs) Their first year running, they had more kids on the Mike team than they did on on the football team. I heard something about something like that. That's what Colin Topper told me. I don't know. He wasn't involved at the beginning, but um, maybe after he took over, he got that. Maybe, yeah. What I heard when 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 Kirsten was um, talking about. Which thanks by the way that that's what you what you said um, your response to my question about like what do you see what what we can do better or differently to and you put it in this way that I didn't think about but to become like Moab <laughs> and and thinking about Moab being how where we are now back then um, I heard like BNBA was just ringing in my head you know the Borderland Mountain Bike Association has been around for a very long time now. And they're still going strong, still holding those very important relationships with the powers that be, with the land agencies and, you know, with the local government and whatnot. Um, and people come and go. Big Dave, we were, I was I, at I least. Know, I know they have, what is it, Fernanda? Uh, Fernanda Gruton, yeah, she's in there. Um, I, um, and P- Fernanda Palanca, right? I don't, I don't know, honestly. I think she's involved now. And she's. Fast. Maybe <laughs> she well, was fast. I don't know. She's, if she's, still she's with uh, she's with Last Sunday's Ride, which is their own nonprofit. And then you had Masi P back when we spoke a couple years ago. You and mm-hmm. I in the first pod episode, um, we were talking about all this stuff that you mentioned, Kirsten. Um, and that is, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like we need to band together, work as a community, and I feel like, from what I see, um, we're spread out. Everyone's trying to do their own little thing, like high school clicky kind of stuff. You mm-hmm. see it with like the bike clubs. You see it. And, I, and I'm all about, you know, feeling like being a part of something. I get it. You know, you, uh, it's a positive thing. It comes from a, a, from a good place. Um, to get bigger things done, though, like, on a, on like what, you're, what you're talking about, like if we could figure out a way to all come together, because they're putting energy. People in our community are putting energy into 
I mean, heck, man, it takes energy to put on like a, an after ride um, cookout. Oh, yeah. You know, it takes energy to put out like a new design on a t shirt or something. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it, it's all work. It's, it's work, all work, dude, like communicating and, and creating and, and producing and all these things. So, the collaboration of all these people that are already putting in all this work for their own thing, which is, again, super cool. You know, the Lost Dog Chainbreakers, Last Sunday's Ride, Mossy P. I don't even know what's up with Mossy P these days, um, if they're even still a thing. But, but again, I, I dig my head in the dirt. I don't follow anybody on social media. I just kind of do my own thing. But I, I, I do know very well that there are a bunch of groups. And if we could all somehow come together like maybe even once in a while, like all be a, become of the BNBA or like, I feel like there's something there. Like we'd be so much stronger together. And that is what I, that was what I heard when you were talking is like all of us focus like a magnifying glass, like, and the sunlight coming through it. It's like, bring it to that really hot little point. And, and that's how you get things ignited. That's how you get things going. Well, I kind of felt that way too. When, when I was, when Brent and I first got the the club going again, and I really hate calling it a club because BNBA, yeah, I wanted it to be more of an, an association, a, an organization that advised and and pushed and made change and they're, actually physically went out and did stuff. They're and, doing that. I yeah, was part they, of it for totally a little while, are. and yeah, I remember calling totally you are. and and getting but, uh uh you know talking but, to you but about I always, it. My my I always felt like there was so many other people in town that just I just I just need you to get on board with this, and I don't know if it was like I, now that I look at it or realize that a lot of those people just didn't have time, you know. Oh, that was me. I got so, off the board because I just you know I have these two kids yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. a single dad and we're doing yeah, this this business. Effort. I mean, like, even if it's once a month, I felt guilty after a while. Like God, you guys are doing. So so much like Mark and Rodney and Susie and Mario and right. John and, and all of them. Like they everyone was just like Armand, like everybody was, was, is still. Um, yeah. Like I, I just, I was like, man, I, I can't keep up. I don't have, <laughs> I, you know what? I'll do like the special forces, like, you yeah. know, Navy SEAL type of influence with every person that i come in contact right. with like and they ask about bmba or they ask about or any anything it's like you know the podcast you know like my, my clients that come in people that i rub elbows with out on the trail whoever like i i've been on the inside and i i have some first-time experience with what they're doing and and i spread the good word and i'm like my first question to the bmba when i be, when i right before i they swore me in and joined swore me in whatever um was what do you guys do and that question represented everyone asking everyone asking me like, "What does the BNBA even do?" Yeah. And talking crap on like, you know, they're, why aren't they building trails and this and that? It's like, dude, that's there's so much more that goes on. It's like, go to a meeting, see for yourself. Yeah. Like, you can go, be a part of it. Twenty five bucks, be a member. Yeah. Like, the city sees. Uh, the, first of all, the BNBA is the longest standing. Um, they are the they are the mountain biking boys in town. Oh like, yeah, you know that the city's not going to really like. It's oh, okay. And, the BNB been a pain in the butt to the city for, for sure. Since dude. I helped get it going again. But there's respect there. There's 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 some amount of respect and understanding that you know. So they're doing they're doing the job. BNBA is doing the necessary job behind the curtains, whatever. Um, and all these people are like, ah, oh, like my buddy, my buddy 
I won't, I won't name him, but he came to me the other night, uh, swung by the apartment and we were chatting and he was like, I'm really, uh, I want to help, you know, but he's like, but I'm kind of like iffy about going, joining the NBA, the BNBA or like going and checking out a meeting or whatever. And I was like, well, why, you know, what's, what, what are you so, what's, what's stopping, what's slowing you down? And there's this like, I guess there's some sort of, obviously some sort of weird stigma or something about the BNB. I don't know what that's all about. I don't know why, but I know that it's, it's bullshit. Like people need to go to these meetings and check it out. It's actually yeah. really cool and impressive. Like they're, I, they're putting some work. Well, I, I know, I know. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. stoked to hear it. And I'm was it, I we were doing a great job near the end, yeah. and it's not just for a puzzle bit in between. Shit. Yeah, a lot of people. Oh, well, they just I told put the puzzle. <laughs> you can't be a puzzler anymore. It's got to be other stuff. Yeah, and no, and, and that's happening, and they're doing a great job. Yeah. It, but there's so much work to, that needs to be done just to maintain the status quo of like yeah. protecting the trails that already right. exist. Right, and that, that's when you guys are going to have to really get together and figure out how to get yeah. a paid trail crew. And that's where, that like, you know, full time the core of the BNBA, what they're doing right now, what they've been doing the, since since when I was in there, like for the few months that I was in there or whatever, it's like, man, you all are putting a lot of time and a lot of effort, a lot of your lives into Mm -hmm. just this extremely necessary, not, well, I don't think it was really much fun, you know, doing politics essentially and paper pushing and this kind of stuff. But in order to keep mountain biking alive and healthy with how the way it is, and everyone's like, Oh, I want to. Uh, why don't they build more trail? And why don't they this? And why don't they that? And, and it's like, oh I'm fuck, dudes, get. <laughs> they need. They're busy doing yeah. like like all the other shit. Like go in there, be a part of it, vote, voice your opinions. They want to hear this stuff. They yeah. want more people to join. They want. It's like come on, and they've been doing the BNB has been doing a really. They hadn't for a long time, but now they're doing a, a lot better job of. Of like posting on social oh, their media. Social media is great. Yeah, it's really turned a corner. Yeah. Like this past, you know, half a you year. You guys or whatever. have a bonfire pit now, and and stuff like that. Well, don't get me started on like the the Bowen Ranch stuff. Like I I have mixed feelings about about that. That's different, but um, but what they're doing with like again with what Kirsten was saying touched on is is like they just they fuck they need help, dude. We need more people, and so I guess what I'm doing is like I'm calling. Whoever's listening to this, like I already do it on a one-on-one basis. Like all the like last Sundays, I'm gonna tag everybody on this thing. And be like, y'all need to listen. Yeah. Like if we can just put a little bit of our efforts that we're already doing into what we're doing, and and join forces with it, the the group that's actually it has it has to be with the city. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it, I, but they but the they've got the relationship with the city. Well, the, now the city needs to form a staff that just does trails. And how does that happen? Through the BNBA talking to the city, right? Well, the BNBA becomes like Trail Mix and Moab becomes an advisory board, which is what the Open Space Advisory Committee is supposed to be. But they're appointed by the, the um, let's see, they're appointed by the council people and by the mayor. And so those people aren't always listened to. They are put in place to be, you know, to be there. But I mean, I would hope, I mean, I don't know how it's been since Dawn. I think Don Baumgart was on it for a while. And uh, I know um, 
Bonart was on it for a while, I think. Maybe not. Maybe they never would put him on because he was too controversial. But when when you get something, when you get when you get the Open Space Advisory Committee to have a rep come to your mountain bike advisory or your trails advisory committee, you get your city parks guy to come to your trails advisory committee. You get state park guy to come to the trails advisory committee. You get um, some guy who is working on a big maintenance project and runs machinery and builds trail with the trail crew or a construction dude who is working on a project that's going through land that's got trails on it. When you get those guys showing up to your meetings and making basically policy decisions or suggesting policy changes, that's when you like realize, Oh, we can get a lot done. <laughs> we can get and a, what's preventing them from done. showing up to these meetings or, you know, well, um, for the city people, they should be paid because we pay our city people. I was going to say pay people to show up to these things. Yeah. This is really important. They, they go stuff. on the clock. So BNB has, BNBA has money. Yeah. And I think you also really just need to get, you know, keep, keep after the city to make it that this is important. You know, this, yeah. is, this, this needs to be part of what the city does for its community and for its citizens is to provide, you know, good trail experiences and well-maintained trails. And, you know, here's a group that they can work with to ensure that that's happening. But the communication needs to be consistent and ongoing. And I got to give credit where credit's due. I mean, I, the the state park, for example, like they've got, I don't know how it happened, but they got that new. Yeah, I wanted to stop in there and see it. It's sick. The new. <laughs> I the, was very disappointed they wouldn't let us in. The headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, really, guys? Come on. And I thought Raul was up there, and I'm all like, well, tell that Afro over there. I need to call him. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's not Raul. <laughs> like, sorry. <laughs> There's a lot of new people in there, but Cesar's still there. And I saw, yeah, I saw some old faces. It was really. Yeah, I, I really want to check out that new facility they have. And it's that, sweet. that's amazing. And, you know, but like when we left, we had to go back down the mountain to get back up the mountain. That's like, oh, come on. I thought they'd have this done by now. But no, they're making the interstate wider or something. Well, yeah. and it's like, come on. So it's like stuff like that. You see stuff like that. And I mean, we see some things happen in our city when it comes to the roads and stuff that we kind of roll our eyes at. But it's, we're on such a small scale. It's here. It's like you do that and you affect half a million drivers in half a day, you know? <laughs> One more thing I'll just mention while we were still talking about the trail group. Um, I think one of the, the biggest reasons for the success of trail mix in Moab is that it's not just mountain biking. It's the non-motorized, you know, trail representation. And so we have like a hiking rep. We have, you know, besides mountain biking, we have a horseback rep representative. Um, we now have, you know, climbing and canyoneering rep. We've got a running, you know, all these trail users of, or who or groups that need trails to access their part of the recreation spectrum. She, she left out her own rep. She's a ski I'm rep. I'm the ski rep because um, <laughs> the trail mix helps support our wintertime Nordic skiing grooming um, program, which I'm part of. So, but, you know, that would be another, you know, thing to reach out because, I mean, even all the, all the trails that we're mountain biking on here, you see runners, you see hikers, you see, I'm sure you see horses occasionally. I mean, they're all user groups that if 
those trails weren't maintained or were all sudden in jeopardy would be, you know, would want to probably be involved. And they could be groups that to reach out to or try to get, you know, representation from those groups to just make the organization, um, you know, bigger and, you know, broader in, 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 in being able to work with, you know, the city and different land agencies um, of the area to just say, hey, you know, it's, it's more than just mountain biking. So I don't know if you guys want to tackle that, but it could be. It's kind of getting tackled. Yeah, it could be. When we um, put Mark on the board. Big... Mark was not a mountain biker. Yeah, Mark. Mark Wancho. Go Wancho. He's a mountain biker now. now. He told me, we're going to bike. He's a mountain biker now. Hell yeah. Yeah. So. Love Mark. He's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, having all those different groups and, and even the the motorized trail committee sends a rep to the meeting. And sometimes it's rim tours new owner who's way into e-bikes and he is the e-bike rep for the non-motorized board i mean i'm sorry he's the e-bike rep for the motorized committee and the motorized committees like jeepers and moto guys and the blm just closed a bunch of land to motorized and non-motorized use they closed a, one of the popular bike packing sections of a bike packing route um you can't ride through it anymore um and so they're all working as trail stewards to make sure they keep their trails. And so when people come out in these side-by-sides and tear it all up, or they're on Surons riding, shredding single track and going way faster than the average mountain biker would go, um, they're, you know, trying to get all that under control and make sure it doesn't get out of control and ruin it for their own group. So. Ah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you should just be glad you don't have side by sides. Just be glad side by sides are not allowed in the state park. You would just you would lose it and be you would cry and you'd probably leave town. I'm so stoked <laughs> that uh, the coyote happened in Tom A's this year. Oh, to get people back over there. It was it'd so been cool. a long time. Yeah, it'd it was so cool. We stayed. You know, he did three. Uh, Mario did a great job, by the way. Um, yeah. Sorry, I didn't send any prizes, Mario. I was like really slammed with other stuff <laughs> it was it was awesome it was a beautiful day and the trails were really fun shout out to guido for all the trail maintenance that he's done over the years he continues to do he said he retired and when he got off the board of the bba board and it, bullshit See, I he's wonder, still he's he just still, he just needs an e-bike and e-trimmers that's all he needs oh he'll go to dude, yeah that guy <laughs> he's I don't, he's insane he's insane i love guido so much i need to get him on the podcast <laughs> We keep joking about talking about the cosmos. I'm like, come on, man. When are we going to talk about the cosmos? Come on. And uh, yeah, yeah. So it's all good, though. I mean, we're we're in a good spot. I think we're headed in the right direction. Um, I guess the mechanic in me is like, how can we get more efficient? How can we, you know oh, yeah, what I mean? Totally. Like, yeah. it's always like there's room for improvement and stuff. But I think it's really important to pause and be like, you know what? We're doing a good job. We're mountain biking is healthy. Um People are getting outside way more than ever that I've ever seen in this town. Um, well, and you have a new national monument, which has yes. some killer riding in it, but it's not legal yet. Kastner, yeah. <laughs> Kastner I lived Range. next to Kastner Range for the entire time I was in El Paso. And I would be willing to say that I know that area as well as anyone. So, 
It's, and, it's, and I rode through it a lot, <laughs> like rode my bike through to where there was a trail and a couple of things happened that made me not go in it again. One of them was a giant rattlesnake. Another was law enforcement. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, if they get that clean, well, I know it's probably everything they find now is inert, but if they get it finally finished cleaning it and putting in some trails for everybody to use, you're going to see, I think what you saw up around Heinrich and how many people live up there in that area and ride their bikes to the trails now. And they want to live there to be near the trails. Same for the red road area. People want to, who are mountain bikers want to live in those two areas. If you get Kastner it's going to make it to where people are going to want to live off magnetic <laughs> where I lived for 19 years. And because no one really wanted to ride with me because I really wasn't riding trails. I was just like chawing my way through an old washed out road or a ditch or something or, you know, a, a wash. That's what I started doing when I came on this side of town. I was like, Whoa, what's, what's, let's see what's up. And then James, my buddy James was like, Hey man, there's like, we're, I think we were like riding or driving by or something. And he's like, you ever been up in there? Go exploring. I'm like, yeah, you know what? So I was on my gravel bike one day and yeah, I just hung a left yeah. and just got lost in the, in those old Jeep roads and stuff, yeah. those old four wheel and ran into some high school kids, like four wheel in and this and that, you know, <laughs> found that geocache, uh, in the swing, the swing, you know, yeah. and all, yeah, all that good stuff. And, and found some game trails and was like, Oh man, there's some potential out here. And there used yeah. to be a family that had a little mini ranch up there. Um, in that, what's that neighborhood called that was above me? Um, the one that has all the national park names on the streets. Mountain, is it Mountain Hills? Oh. I think that's what it's called. But it's that highest neighborhood over there above Magnetic. Um, go up Edgar Park, and or if you went up where the steakhouse is. Like or, Zion? Yeah, up Zion. You go up in there, and off to the left, almost, as, almost all the way to the top, not quite. It was kind of more like halfway down the neighborhood, down in this canyon, was a corral. And people had horses, and they would ride horses around there for a while. But then they didn't have horses there anymore. And so there were horse trails around that area too. Yeah, dude, it's really so, nice up in there. It's cool. So it's that area, potential. all that area to the Shriner stuff is, should we like do this later? <laughs> no, it's cool. It's whatever. <laughs> Dog, it's like <laughs> interesting. But that whole, that whole space between the Shriners temple and that neighborhood that Zion hits and that other neighborhood where um, Judy lived, uh, it's kind of like a, a apartment complex unit that's kind of by itself up there. Um, they uh, that whole area back there, I think, belonged to that family who owned all this stuff in the Northeast years ago, and still owns quite a bit of it, and do- deeded a bunch of it to Frontera. So that property above me was deeded to Frontera, from what I remember, and it's now designated open space. That's where I really want to put a bike park, but I think that area south of the Sh- or north of the shriners to that neighborhood is also primed to be a bike park for el paso that'd but be sick i just don't i don't know if it got thrown into frontera's hands and you'll never see it again or what i mean it's going to stay open space which is amazing um but it'd be really great if some recreation could come some really fun rad rec- recreation as far as i'm concerned quiet, as, quiet long, as long as it's not going to get developed in its open space 
Yeah. Two thumbs way up. Yeah. For, for El Paso, it's saying a lot. Yeah, exactly. And for any city, it's saying a lot. So, uh, and it's disappointing that, that we have to think to, to give kudos like that. It's like, no, it should be like, oh yeah, this is what we do. We're yeah. headed there. We're yeah. headed there. We yeah. got to give, you know, we're doing yeah. a good job. Yeah. We're doing a good job. There's always room for improvement, but, uh, I think we don't tell ourselves that enough, right. you know, and that's just in general, like, we're doing the best with what we can or doing a good job with what we, what we've got. So, but it's nice to talk about, it's nice to, to, to connect with, uh, with folks from, from other communities. You know, it's, it's one of the things that I really love about doing the podcast or just, just com- connecting with people in general, to be honest with you. Right. It's like you learn, you, you give and take, you know, even though you don't realize it, you bring stuff back, apply it and, or, or, you know, appreciate ways that we do things that aren't done elsewhere and you're like oh man you you know have like a new sense of appreciation for certain things about your own community and your own way of of going about it and so it's nice i really appreciate um kirsten being here and well dude i I really appreciate we we both love podcasts we we listen to podcasts majority of our travels um i listen to podcasts probably as much as i do music or probably music youtube on music on youtube is number one for me and then podcasts and then just other YouTube stuff. So I'm kind of stoked that you're like dabbling into the YouTube world a little. Oh yeah. And I was hoping that maybe the camera would be set up for this today. I was thinking about that. <laughs> and, uh, Kirsten's like, no, no. <laughs> so glad it's not. It's funny. Cause I actually <laughs> typed out a text message to you and then I deleted it. I didn't send it. Obviously I, I was like, Hey man, I think I'm going to do a live feed with it, with the phone and it, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to, that would, I don't I, want to scare him away. I would do it. If she wants to take off for a walk, we can continue on with something else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, we can do that. We can do. I'd love to do a live stream, especially if some people popped up, have some conversations. I, I bet it wouldn't take more than about 20 minutes for a word to get out. Right. So It'd be dope. Yeah. I'd like do a live stream and just like jump on Instagram right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so what, have we been an hour? We've been over an hour. Uh, we're hitting hour. like hour 57. Oh. Two hours? You gotta be kidding me! <laughs> no, nope. right, you gotta you gotta shut this down. Yeah, I gotta I gotta get back to work, man. People people want their bikes before Christmas, and they'd be like, "What the?" And I'll, I'll help Why? you unless <laughs> she goes for a hike. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, sincerely, thank you for, Dude, yeah, for taking I can't the time. We just blew that much time. Oh my gosh! It's. Uh, I hope somebody got something out of that. Thanks for listening. Hold on, I'm gonna put on this uh, I think Zappa. We've lost a lot of people by now. Ah, whatever. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Where's the, I'm looking for the peaches and was it peaches and cream? What peaches and regalia. Nah. No, the net. What you should leave. Nah, with. we're doing peaches and cream. Okay. Oh, peaches that, and cream. Oh my goodness. Wait, this has got to be a remake. No, dude. This is the original. This is a. Uh, oh, the the rap is, group. Yeah. Oh, well. peaches and cream, the rap group, or. <laughs> Big Dave showing his age. I don't know who this is. <laughs> you ever heard of this? Uh, no? Yeah? No? <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. Oh, man. It's always a good time to see you, man. I hope you all have a really great trip. I yes. wish you well with uh, all your freedom that you have now to do all the Baja rides and all the everything all the things yep we just have to make it happen yeah dave but thank you don't be a stranger man i appreciate your time dude 
give you a big old hug here in a and second come see me in moab i mean i've seen people on facebook and tried to connect here and there and norm comes through and good old norm you know so yeah a great time norm's awesome he took me by here every now and then and give me a bunch of like uh, layer bars and stuff <laughs> so here dude don't go hungry in the cave <laughs> all right and everybody right out there thanks for listening go be a part of the bmba um Yes, support your or local group. Or if you're group. listening somewhere else, support your local group. For yeah, sure. support your local group. Go, or not even, like, you can go just check out a meeting. Just see what's up. Spread the good words. You think, I don't know. Or just keep mm-hmm. riding. Be cool. Be cool to each other. You know, I appreciate everything that uh, cycling has given us. And so it's nice to, you know, give back, too. And you know, kind of pay your dues a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whatever way you can. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank Peace. you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Oh, wow, that was too long. <laughs> <laughs>